Acts 2, first four verses. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. That's not a Honda. That just means they were together. <laughs> all the disciples were at one accord. It was really cool. Uh, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's Pentecost Sunday today. Pentecost just means 50th in Greek. It is the 50th day from the Feast of First Fruits. Okay, so the Israelites had a number of feasts. One of them was a Feast of First Fruits. That's actually what comes right after Passover. It's actually the day that Jesus rose from the dead, was on the Feast of First Fruits. Go figure, huh? Kind of crazy how those things work out. And then 50 days later, we have Pentecost, which is the Feast of Weeks. Uh, and all the Jewish men are to come into Jerusalem on that day to celebrate that feast. Now, in the year when Jesus rose from the dead, some very interesting things happened, as we just read. By the way, we're not doing Romans today, because it's Pentecost Sunday, so my dad was wrong. <laughs> Little call, we could have taken care of that, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't know how to text, can't figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. He knows. he knows how to text. He knows how to text. He knows how to text. Um, all right, and Luke in Acts is a doctor. I'm not a doctor. We probably should have had one for this. Um, all right. So Jesus uh, raises from the dead. He spends 40 days with his apostles, okay? Alive. People are seeing him. Uh, all the apostles, his brothers. Uh, there's 500, over 500 people saw him at once. There's all these people who see Jesus. He's going around with them. And then 10 days before Pentecost, he says some stuff to them and he ascends into heaven. And he, goes, and he goes back. He gave his disciples a promise, though, before he ascended into heaven. And it says this. This is, Acts, this is the next, uh, or the chapter before, uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus' last day with the disciples after his resurrection. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Talk about we don't get it, right? But can we just beat up the Romans now? No, listen, listen. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all the earth, I'm sorry, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he gives them that promise. After that, the disciples go to Jerusalem. And they, they start meeting together, praying together. There's about 120 of them at this time. 120 disciples. And they're just kind of doing their thing day by day, sort of just waiting. They're just waiting. Uh, there are the disciples, the 11 that were still around. Of course, Judas had, was dead. Um, and then there were Jesus' brothers, who, by the way, had not believed in him, but saw him rise from the dead. And that tends to change your mind, change your heart. Um, and so the brothers were there, his mother and other women were there with them. This is this group, just this little group, about the size of the group in this room. Okay, maybe a little, little smaller than the group in this room probably, but real close to the same size. And they're praying together, they're doing their thing. On a Sunday morning, on the morning of Pentecost, they're gathered together around 9 a.m. We meet a little later than that. We're not quite as early risers as the apostles. It's okay. The sound comes from heaven. And they see tongues of fire sitting on each, on each other. And they start preaching. They start preaching. This is not ordinary preaching. They're preaching about the wonderful works of God in languages they did not know. They did not know these languages, but the Holy Spirit enabled them to preach in these other languages. And you have to understand the scene here, okay? There are Jewish people in Jerusalem from all over the world. I mean, really, all over the world. Because remember, they have to come. This is one of the feasts where you're required to come to Jerusalem. So all these people, able-bodied people who could make it, these, these men were the ones who were required. A lot of them would have brought their wives and, and possibly their kids and so on. But there's all these people here, okay, from all over. And they would have all probably spoken Hebrew and maybe Greek, but they were born somewhere else where the language was different. And all of a sudden, these guys are preaching in these other languages about the wonderful works of God. They would have likely heard at this time in Jerusalem about Christ's death 
and about his resurrection. That all these people, hundreds of people are saying, we saw this guy alive after he was dead. The witnesses of his resurrection were all over the place. So they would have known who these disciples were. These were the Christ followers, right? And they're hearing, they're preaching. This is what it says in Acts 2, 8 through 13. Back to the chapter 2. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. You know the parts. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said they are full of new wine. The wine thing is so ridiculous, right? Like, I've been around drunk people, okay? Drunk people don't start speaking perfectly in other languages. They can barely manage English, right? There's no Rosetta Stone Budweiser edition. That doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Like, oh, they're speaking other languages. They're probably drunk. So it's so dumb. But it shows you that those who want to come against Christ, those who are the enemies of the gospel, will say dumb things. You have a TV? You can go watch. They, they say dumb things. They still say dumb things. They still say dumb things. This was the power of the Holy Spirit, beginning the full empowerment of the church for the very thing God, would told, God had told them he would do. Remember what we just read 10 days earlier, Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They're beginning at Pentecost, the multiplication of the church. The multiplication of the church begins here at Pentecost. It continues to this day. The 120 people that were sitting there have, have birthed through the Holy Spirit and the drawing of the Father, millions of people, including those sitting here today. It all started, that multiplication all started there when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And this is clearly a miracle because these people were not language experts. Okay, and I don't, I don't just mean they didn't know a lot of languages. Listen, this is the thing. Uh, Acts 2, 5 through 8. I, I need to understand what fishermen from Galilee are like, okay? So let's go to verse five. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. That's what I, that's what I was telling you. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Why did they say are not all these Galileans? Well, uh, because these guys are basically from Amboy, Israel, if there is such a place, right? No, no offense to Amboy, it's just that not where you go to find all the language experts, right? These are just regular old salt of the earth. These are fishermen. That's who these people are, okay? They're from the country. They are not the, you know how city types, you know how city types are? They're kind of, they think they're kind of special, you know? They're like, oh, you live in the country? Well, I'm from, you know, New York City. Like, ooh, yeah. Congratulations for being from the city. But, but they think... Their mindset is, we're the smart, educated ones, and these are the country bumpkins. I'm not saying that these Galileans were, in fact, country bumpkins. I'm just saying that was the perception of these people. The perception is these were very simple folks. We used to live in Tennessee. My wife and I practiced law there for six years, part of a great church there called True Life Church. You guys heard from Jimmy Inman, the pastor, uh, a few months ago. He came out and approached us, which was awesome. Um, but there were people there who lived back in the hills and the hollers, as they would call them. A holler, if you're wondering, is like a space between hills where people live, okay? Um, if you met some of these folks, you would hear them speaking, and you would not think this person's going to start popping off in Pamphylian, Phrygian language, right? You just wouldn't think that. You're thinking, I'm not sure that's English, right? I'm not sure that what that person is saying with that accent is English. That's kind of what this was like, okay? I can barely imagine some of those folks that I'm, awesome people, wonderful people, but I can barely imagine them speaking perfect English, okay? Let alone speaking Phrygian or whatever. That is a language. I looked it up. That was one of the places, Phrygia. Um, you also are just a person with just, you might know a lot of languages. That's great if you do, um, but you're just a person uh, who needs the power of the Holy Spirit. And the good news of Pentecost is that you have it. You have it. You may not find yourself in a multicultural environment where what the Holy Spirit needs you to do is start speaking another language to people. You might. 
That could happen. But more likely, you need the Holy Spirit when you're in a situation where somebody needs to hear you preach the gospel and you need to speak their language, whatever that is, right? So to speak, speak their language so you can preach the good news to them. Finding a way to communicate the gospel in a way that somebody understands and connects to, that's something the Holy Spirit has to do, you know? We don't just naturally have that. We don't naturally know where, where is this person coming from culturally? What do they need? Where are they in their life? But the Holy Spirit knows that. As he did here, where speaking these other languages was a miracle that helped bring people to the Lord. In your case, it could be your neighbor, your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, coworker, whoever, right? Acquaintance. You don't know exactly what to say. Anybody been there thinking, man, I would like to witness this person. I have no idea how to start this. I don't know what to say the Holy Spirit will enable you to speak their language, so to speak. That's something that the church still does. Remember, it's the Father that is drawing these people. It's God who knows how to talk to them. The body of Christ spoke different languages on Pentecost by the power of the Holy Spirit, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. Today, we speak to people in a way they can understand by the power of the Holy Spirit about the power of that same resurrection. That's what we do. We got to let the Lord work in us to do it. You need to understand something if you're a Christ follower, okay? Christ followers, you have the same Holy Spirit. God is with you and in you to preach the good news to people, period. He is. The Holy Spirit is working in the body of Christ, in his church, just as he always has. We celebrate the day of Pentecost because it's the beginning, but we also celebrate it because it shows us who we're supposed to be. Who are we supposed to be in the same way that they faithfully preached the gospel? We are to do so too. And we need to be all things to all men that we might by all means save some. This is what the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. He says this, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Paul was not a prideful person. Paul was not afraid or ashamed of the gospel, and Paul was willing to go to anybody, any place, any time. He did not care if you were, thought you were big time or if you didn't. He didn't care if you were from the country or the city. He was going to look to where you were and try to make himself connect with you in the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the language that you needed to hear the gospel in so that people could be saved because that's what he cared about. Why? Because that's what we care about because that's what Jesus told us to care about. And that's what he did. Paul was speaking the language of those he was preaching to. He was finding a way to connect. In Acts 17, you can go back. We did the whole book of Acts. It was, didn't take long. It was like three years. <clears throat> we did other stuff in between. Paul encounters the philosophers at Athens. Okay? And he quotes their own poets to them. And speaks about their idol worship. Kind of speaks to their culture. He doesn't come in and be like, well, I'm a Jewish guy from here, and this is my culture and the way I do things, so I'm going to speak to you this way. No, he finds where they are. He's in the city. He's checking it out. He's seen what they need, and the Holy Spirit is giving him words to speak to the people in Athens. Not Paul's culture. Not his culture. These philosophers. I don't know if you've ever met a philosopher, but they think they're pretty smart. Some of them are. A lot of them are not, or at least they're very smart, but they don't know what the truth is. These guys, it says in the Bible, they they always wanted to hear or tell a new thing. So they say, oh, come on, tell us about what you want to say. And he just lays out this sermon form. Some of them listen, some of them don't. But some of them did and followed Jesus and the church grew. The Holy Spirit is the teacher who empowers us to be used to spread the good news. We are his church. We must learn from this pattern at Pentecost and going on from Pentecost and the way God used it 
Why do you think he had it happen there when all those people were there? All those people from all those places. Because once they heard the gospel and they believed, where were they going? Out to the ends of the earth. They were going out to the ends of the earth. The same way you don't know who God might use you to bring the gospel to that's going to end up being a missionary in some faraway country. That's going to end up speaking to their brother, their sister, their neighbor, their friend. I was led to Jesus Christ. Nobody knew what I would be doing with my life. I've helped other people come to the Lord. I didn't know what they were going to do with their life. But God multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And Paul knows that. And so in Athens, he brings some people to the Lord by speaking their language. And the gospel goes to the whole world. We're the ones who have been honored to be called the body of Christ. I, I don't know if, if we often, I know I don't often enough, comprehend how glorious it is to be associated with Christ the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who died for you because he loved you so much and rose again. There is nobody that you need approval from because you have been chosen by Jesus Christ and been called to be in his body. We're his witnesses, both to the resurrection, but more, more to the point for you, the power of the resurrection in your life and the transformation that you've experienced, you are witnesses to that, to the world. You are a light to the world. You get to be in his army. You get to be in this group. It's not nothing. When you wake up in the morning, if you're not thanking God for who you are and who he's made you, you don't get it. You don't get it. We need to get it. We're a bunch of sinful people who were justifiably under judgment. We were justifiably under the righteous wrath of God and Jesus died for us. And he did it, as the scriptures say, while we were yet sinners because that's the kind of love he has for us. What is it exactly that we are worried about? What is it exactly that's keeping us from being who he's called us to be when he's done so much for us? He's like the father of the prodigal son. He put a ring on your finger, killed the fattened calf, and threw a party regardless of what you came out of, regardless of what your life has looked like, regardless of what you did last night or this last week or that you feel like you shouldn't even be here because you're not keeping it up. And he says, no, 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 just come to me. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he brings us in and he hugs us and he says, not only am I forgiving you, but I'm not making you one of the servants of the house. I'm making you a son. I'm making you a daughter. And we're carrying that around. That's who we are with his ring on our finger. He gave us life, new life, and then he gave us a mission. And our mission is so much more powerful and important and glorious than any other good life that has been concocted or dreamed up by the world. And this is the mission. You may have heard this before, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Now, when he says that, he's saying, I have all the authority. I am deputizing you. I am making, I'm giving you this authority to go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. When you live the Christ life, and preach the gospel, you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit under the authority of the creator and sustainer of the universe. Do you know that when you are out there doing that, you are literally being the body of Christ. You are doing, you are on mission. You cannot be going wrong if you are out there looking for opportunities to make disciples for Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things you could be out there going wrong doing. There's a lot of things you'd be out there just wasting time doing TikTok much. Okay, just, I just want to say that. I've never even been on TikTok. I've just heard it can suck you in for hours. I don't know. Just stay away from the TikTok, okay? It's not great. I don't know. Maybe it's great. You're his witnesses. You're his child. You're his friend. He died for you, rose again, and now he has sent you out. 
We used to ask uh, kids when I was a kid, I don't even know if they do this anymore. I don't know what you're allowed to say anymore. Everything's, you know, you're a bad person, whatever you say. <laughs> don't say that. And you're like, okay, I won't say that. And it's like, no, say that. Like, well, but you just said don't say, no, what are we supposed to do now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even try to pay attention anymore. Some guy did a, I, don't, I just got an article yesterday. Uh, There's a businessman who was given a speech at a high school graduation, small town, like 500 and something people. And he says, you know, hey, when you, as you leave here and you're looking to start a family, you know, get, get married. And of course, I mean marriage, a man and a woman and, you know, a woman and a man, that type of thing. And that's all he said. He's just encouraging them to start a family. And he just basically said, you know, do this biblically. That's all he said. MSNBC or whatever, like hateful speech by a hateful man and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you might disagree with what he said, but it's hard to find hate in that, Right. It's hard to find hate to say, do, it is now hate to say, do what's biblical. That's hateful. That's now hate speech. Congratulations, by the way. Welcome to Acts Church, by the way. Um, how to get canceled in 10 seconds or less. That's, that's our, it's our motto. Yeah, I'm long past all that because, because I love people not because I hate them. Anyway, we used to ask when I was a kid, what do you want to do? Or what do you want to be? I think we used to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Older? I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? People would say, I want to be a fireman or a firewoman, or I want to be a nurse or a professional football player or a cowboy or something, right? I want to be a stegosaurus. I don't know. People just, they want to, they, they want to do something. And the, I stole that one. Somebody's kid said that, and it was pretty funny. Or I want to be a dinosaur, I think he said. Anyway, the cultural dream was to follow your dreams and become whatever it is that you wanted to be. And the idea is you'd have this amazing career, right? And, and you'd buy this house, and then maybe buy a bigger one, and then maybe buy a bigger one, and then have kids and, and get the nice car and have the good life. That was the idea. All of that is nothing. Nothing compared to this, compared to this mission. If you're sitting there hoping that you can one day reach your dream of becoming a doctor or a plumber or a fireman or whatever it is, YouTube star, influencer, like all the kids want to do that. I want to be on YouTube. Like, yeah, if you all get on YouTube, you know, I don't know. I think they all are. There's like a billion videos on there. They all want to be YouTube stars. Listen, you're aiming low. You want to be president of the United States and whatever. You're aiming low if that's going to be the height for you. If you want to be the best thing that the world has, be as good looking as me, maybe. You know, okay. You're aiming low, okay? That's real low. You want to be, you want to have it all, according to the world. It's nothing. It's, not, it's garbage compared to the power of the gospel and the glory of Christ and his body and the mission that you have from him. Your career and the good life and your house and your car and money in the bank and a timeshare and beautiful sunny Palm Springs right next to the golf course. All those are garbage in comparison to your life in Christ following the Great Commission. Now, let me just say something. You have to have a job, you know, that's all fine. And, and you should want to do what God's called you to do in terms of your career and your job. There's nothing wrong with having a car that works. How else are you going to get here? Right? There's nothing wrong with all that stuff. It's not like that stuff is bad stuff. It's just that if that's the height to you, that's the goal, you're missing it. You're missing it. I don't have anything against those things. You all are gifted. If you have a job you like, I'm, I'm glad for you. Some of you have a job and you don't like it. It's a bummer. Do your job. Shut up. And keep going. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, sort of, right? You got to do it. You got to do your thing. Do you have a house? Cool. You got a car? You like it? Okay, that's nice. If God has blessed you financially, good. Use it wisely and for the kingdom. But if your goal is to work hard, earn a bunch of money so you can sit on a beach somewhere for 20 years and then die, you don't get it. I'm serious. But if you ask the people in our culture, that's what they want. You know why? Because their great commission is not from Jesus Christ. Their great commission is coming from a culture that you may have realized by now it was kind of like, well, our culture is sort of kind of Christian and biblical in some ways. You know, some years back, that may have been, you may have been able to, to delude yourself into thinking that. But right now, 
It's clear who's controlling our culture. That's Satan. It's demonic. There's nothing good about it. But that's their dream. Because if Satan can get them thinking about nothing but cars and houses and careers and whatever, power and money and whatever, then they're not going to think about the Great Commission. It's time to separate ourselves from all of that. Christ followers, it's time to reassign our priorities. We cannot any longer think that's the thing to get. Your number one goal is the Great Commission, period. Your number one calling is the Great Commission. You are a disciple of Christ. For some of you, this is going to be a little like you haven't thought about it like this, probably. And it might reorganize your life. It might turn it upside down. That's what Jesus Christ does as he transforms us. He turns us upside down a little bit. You don't know how much time you have before Jesus Christ brings you home. Do not waste your time worrying about all those other things. You have an eternally magnificent calling in Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit empowering you to that calling. Be wise and follow your calling. As to your job and taking care of your family, do it. But don't miss the joy and the love and the peace and the hardship in seeking God's glory and following his commission. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen right now in your heart as you think about what Christians have been called to do. As you look at the example and the modeling of what the early disciples, these 120 people in a room like this, who through the Holy Spirit sparked something that changed the entire world, the entire universe. Are you always worried about stuff? Then start trusting God. Are you feeling like you don't know what you're called to do in life? This is it. This is your calling. The other stuff is secondary. This is actually first. It's not let me get all this stuff and then I can focus on following God because I'll have all the stuff, which is really what I really want, right? Don't wait for that. Your first thing is following God. Do you think that God's not going to provide for those who are literally following his command and commission to make disciples for him? He's told you to do something. You think he's going to be like, I'm not going to give you what you need to do it? No. I think more likely we find ourselves in need or in want or whatever when we're actually focusing on those things instead of trusting God with those things and we're not really following the Great Commission. Because when we're following the Great Commission, you're not thinking about those things. I'm not saying you're always, everything's going to be great. This is not a health and wealth church, mostly because there's nothing in here about that. Nothing in the scripture about you being healthy and wealthy and never having to worry about anything. That is absolute and utter nonsense. And what it is, is what? It's amazing how that lines up with the cultural, worldly way of looking at life. You're going to have the health, and you're going to have the wealth, and you're going to have the car, and you're going to have the this, and you're going to have the that. No, that's not what we're called to. We're called to make disciples. If we have to give everything up, we're called to make disciples. The more you have, the harder that is. The church at Laodicea thought that they were wise and wealthy and fully clothed and had no needs. And God said, what? They're blind, poor, miserable, naked. They didn't see who they were. That's our culture now. We talked about apathyism. Why do you think people are so apathetic? They think they don't need God. Whose responsibility is it to make them understand that they do? It's yours because you've been commissioned to do so, to make disciples for him. He's going to take care of you. And you're going to have trials, persecution, and tribulation, and he will see you through it, all of it, until the time he calls you home after you have finished the work that he has for you. I want to serve him. You should want to serve him. He saved you. You have an eternally significant job to do. We are the church, and we've been shown the pattern at Pentecost. There were likely thousands of people who gathered because all these people are out there speaking all these languages. You'd want to see what was going on too. Thousands of people, as these disciples of Jesus Christ were speaking in their languages. Then Peter gets up and he addresses all these people who had gathered around. What does he do? Well, what does a Christian do when they get a crowd together? They preach the gospel. And that's what he did. Straight up, unadulterated, you all 
have had Jesus and you killed him. And he wants to save you. And what a message to these people who were all there at the time. What's the reaction? This is their reaction. We're in Acts 2. We're going to be in verse 37 through 41. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Because that is the reaction. That is the reaction that you should have. And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as our God will call, our Lord, the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Be saved from this perverse generation. It's a disaster. We can no longer think to ourselves, if you were ever thinking this, things are getting better. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. No. No, that's so crazy. It always has been. Do you understand the things that were normal 10 years ago are totally different today? It's like the brakes came off. You ever seen the luge thing that they do, you know? It's the one sport that I think I could do. Hold on. All right, I can probably do that. <laughs> Pretty heavy, probably make it go faster. All right, just listen. We're putting this helmet on. Just hold on. Just, here you go. Yeah, I could probably do that, right? That's what society, that's culture. Down the drain. Be saved from this perverse generation. All right, I got... Wild now, i got to get back to this. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's a powerful sermon because the Holy Spirit was in it. Everyone that you preach, and when I say preach, I'm just talking about proclaiming the good news. It can be as simple as having coffee with somebody. I'm not saying go out here. All right, we're going to go downtown Vancouver. We're all going to stand on boxes, and we're going to start yelling at people. That's not what I'm saying. God calls you to that, fine. These days, there'll probably be a few other people yelling down there at the same time anyway. Just, you'll probably fit in, okay? But that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to preach the gospel in everything you do. In everything you do. This is the reaction of the people. Men and brethren, what shall we do? This is how people who the Lord is calling to himself, whose hearts are softened, who are cut to the heart, this is how they react to the gospel. It's time to repent, you will say, because we all deserve the judgment of God, but Jesus Christ gave his life for us and we can be forgiven. Let me just tell you something. There is nothing so beautiful in this life as seeing new birth in Jesus Christ. You may think it was beautiful. You had kids, they were born. You may think it's beautiful because you're gross. Because it's gross, okay? I don't need They make you watch the videos before and I'm like, I'm already gonna have to deal with this once. See this lady stuff coming out. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's a punishment for sin, right? This was what God did because Eve sinned. It was like, this is how childbirth is going to be. And we're like, it's so beautiful. It's not. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. (laughs) I love my kids once they cleaned them up, right? Lunch, anyone? That's, no. (laughs) I'm done. I got it. No, I'm just kidding. I've just been fired. The elders are like, That's, that you're done. <laughs> There's nothing as beautiful in this life as seeing new birth in Jesus Christ. You can see it happen. And if you're a follower of Christ and you go on this great commission, almost certainly you will see it happen. He's called you to follow him. If you get your priorities straight, you can see the power of God working in you and in others. The Holy Spirit working through you to work in others. It's amazing, and no career, no house, no car, no timeshare, no amount of money compares to the good news of the gospel and the new life people can have in Jesus Christ. God loves you. Can you just understand that today? God loves you. You might be going through things. You might have gone through a lot of things. He knows. That's about the fallen world. That's about the things that we've done. You wonder why things are bad? Because of you because of me, 
but he loves you and he's transforming you and he has a plan for you. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're addicted to drugs, alcohol. You've got a sexuality thing problem going on. You've got a pornography thing going on. You've got whatever's going on. Listen, he can heal you from all of that because he loves you. You are not an outsider to him. Just fall at the foot of the cross and let him heal you. And work. Work. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. It's not even you. If you just let him work through you, you will experience all of this. God also loves your neighbor. That is everyone else. Ask him to ignite the passion in you to share the good news that many will come to know him. I know it's hard, guys. I was around a couple guys yesterday. Didn't know them very well. And I'm just thinking, how can I get to, how can I preach the gospel to these guys? It's a situation where it wasn't like I could just start talking about it. I ended up, ended up being able to talk to them. Uh, made a contact with one of them. The other guy I invited them to come to church here. I hope he does. Because God loves him and his family. I had a little kid. I want to see families changed. I want to see what happened at Pentecost. I want to see thousands come to know him. I told you last week, there's almost 500,000 people in this county. They need Jesus. We cannot sit around watching TikTok while people go to hell. Whoever's phone that is, tell them I'm not here. I just don't want to talk right now. Listen, something I do have to warn you about because I want you to be excited. I want you to be passionate. But let me just tell you something. You will work hard sometimes and you will not always see your work work out, okay? You will not always see your efforts result in people being saved right away that day. With some people, you may plant a seed. With other people, they might just reject you outright. Remember, if you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit and allowing God to empower you to speak their language, so to speak, it's God they're rejecting, not you. Be sad about it. Not hurt by it. If someone comes in this place or hears this preaching online, whatever it happens to be, and rejects it, that's between them and God. It's not my thing. It's their thing. It's not about me and it's not about you. The gospel is about Jesus Christ. It's God who is drawing people to himself. Just be faithful. Yesterday, my brother and I were playing disc golf in a disc golf tournament in Portland. And for those of you who don't know, disc golf is like golf, except instead of hitting a little white ball, you throw a disc. It looks like this. Okay, this one's pretty sweet. Check it out. Bam! Yeah, it was really hard to draw. No, I didn't draw. I had it printed. I had it printed. Anyway, they look like this, okay? And what you're trying to do, as opposed to hitting a ball and then trying to hit it into a little hole in the ground, you're throwing these things, trying to get hundreds of feet down the fairway to a basket. And you throw a disc in a basket like this, okay? That's what we're doing. And so we're in this tournament, and there's a tee pad. So you run up on the tee pad, you take your disc, you run really hard, and then you throw it just as hard as you can, okay? So I'm on this tee pad with these guys and I run up and I throw this disc, not this one. And you'll see why in a second because it's all nice. But anyway, I throw it as hard as I can. I mean, just give it the, the business, right? And it sails down that fairway about 30 feet and hits a tree just straight up, okay? You, you put a lot of effort to throw a Frisbee when you're old and fat, okay? I'm just telling you. It's not like when you're young, you're just like, and you're just walking around or whatever. Right? We're just like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're just giving it everything, right? Okay. If you have ever been really hungry and you decided to cook a frozen pizza, you waited for it, you can smell it. You know, it's like the 15 minutes or the 20 minutes, maybe the DiGiorno, it's like 25 minutes. You're waiting, you're hungry, right? You get down there, you're ready to take this thing out. You look, little pepperonis are just curled up just perfectly. That cheese is just, mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I don't eat carbs. Well, grow up. <laughs> cheese is all melty, right? And that pizza looks delicious. You take it out of the oven all gingerly, and you get it out, and then it drops. <laughs> cheese side down. If you've ever had that happen, that's what it feels like to hit a tree with a disc, okay? I want you to have an idea in your mind of how frustrating it is to put massive effort into something and have it go <laughs> Doesn't help that there's people watching. All right. But listen, listen, we soldier on. I go up to the disc, 
I'm, I get another new disc out because you got to stand. Here's this disc. And I'm going to run up. I'm going to throw the. All right. We've got it still a few hundred feet here. We're going to get it down there. We're, it's okay. And I get up there. And I mean, I just, boom, just, there it goes. 30 feet and hits another tree. And I mean, dead even. Now, if you have ever, after dropping that first pizza, decided to make another pizza and then had the same thing happen, that's what it's like to hit the second tree. Okay? And I've got these guys I'm playing with. These are like adult people, like normal people. They're like, this guy is not physically gifted. They didn't say anything to their credit. But they're probably just like, oh my gosh. We need to start having some rules about who gets in these tournaments. Like, I have time for this guy to hit every tree going down there. Because there's a lot of trees, okay? There's a lot of trees, to be fair. <sighs> I wasn't going to give up. Walked up to that disc. I'm still quite far from the basket. I get that. Okay. All right. I'm embarrassed. We're going to be okay. I'm an old man, but I can do this. So I reach back and I just huck it. Ah! 30 feet down. Okay. This wasn't like pizza. This third one that I hit, third in a row that I hit, um, that's, you just can't compare it to pizza. It's more like having hot sauce in your eyes <laughs> while stubbing your toe while paying your taxes. That's what that's like, okay? It's real bad the third time, okay? You want to just grab your stuff and be like, my stomach isn't, I'm going to go. Go straight to play it again sports, sell all your stuff, and hide. Move to another city. That's what you feel like. Eventually, I got the disc into the basket, triple bogey. Pretty embarrassing. I'm not telling you this story for personal therapy. <laughs> Although it helped to get it out. I thank you for listening. That's, I feel like I'm healing, you know? I just got to do me. I just got to heal, right? I'm telling you this because the Great Commission does not mean that all your effort will mean obvious and constant results you can see. Sometimes it might feel like you put a tons, of, tons and tons of effort in to throw in that disc and it hits a tree. Sometimes you may pray and pray and work and work to try to bring the gospel to somebody and they may reject it. Don't be downtrodden. Keep pushing forward. When, when we're going to get excited as a church to move forward with the Great Commission, we've got to be ready for the fact that not everybody is going to accept Jesus. We know that from the scripture. They rejected him. Jesus, I mean, he fed all these people, 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus the women children. We're talking just tons of people. Think like blazer game. And it's like, here's a couple of fish and some loaves. And you're looking up and you're like, are you being serious right now? Do you see how many people here? All of them. They're grubbing. He's doing stuff for him. He's healing them, casting out demons. You know, the blind are seen, the dead are raised. I mean, the whole thing. And then he says a few hard things, and they're like, oh, I'm not doing this. They're gone. If it happened to him that way, and by the way, they killed him. I don't know if you heard that part of the story. If you read the book, it's in there. He died. That's how they reacted to how he was, okay, to his love and his mercy and his miracles, and feeding them, and walking on water, and, and raising the dead. They killed him. Of course, that's to our benefit, because that was the death we were to die. And now we can know him. But he also rose from the dead, defeating sin and death and hell, because the grave couldn't hold him. But you also, like our Lord, our teacher, our friend, our Savior, and our King Jesus, may experience some rejection. That disc may hit some trees, Maybe three times in a row, maybe 10 times in a row. But remember, it's not your effort. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you strength and the words to say, keep going. Keep being faithful. The second thing is you don't really know how God is working on the person you're evangelizing to. You don't know that when you gave all that effort and they seem to just reject you, that something wasn't planted in their heart. Sometimes you're just planting a seed. Sometimes you're watering a seed somebody else planted. And sometimes you're reaping the harvest. I hope you get the experience of all of them. Reaping the harvest is definitely the most fun. When that person comes to Jesus and we baptize them. And they start following Jesus. And you start seeing him transform their life. That's the fun part. Sometimes the seed planting and the watering isn't as fun. But all of it is your job. Just keep throwing the disc. Just keep throwing the disc. Let God handle the results. 
we're called and set apart for this work. This is our work. We need each other and we need the power of the Holy Spirit and we have it. That's what Pentecost is about. But listen, guys and girls. When I say guys, I mean everybody. Am I, is that okay? Guys, folks, peoples. You never know these days who's going to get offended. I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm honestly not trying to offend you. Um, I don't think I have. We have to get our priorities aligned with the Bible. We need to start having this be our standard. If your standard is primarily coming from what you see on your cell phone as you watch the stuff or what Facebook is telling you, what the politicians are telling you, what this person, what the people at school are telling you, whatever, if that's where your priorities are getting aligned so you can fit in with the world, you've got to stop. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. You cannot be a friend of the world without being an enemy of God and his plan for you. We've got to realign our priorities and get aligned with the great commission of Jesus Christ. For some of us, that, mean we may, that means we may have to turn our world upside down. Some Christ followers need to change their priorities. I would guess all of us do at some level. We should constantly be reassessing. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our money? If our great commission is this, what should my bank account look like? What should the time I spend look like? Who should be in my life? What, what should my social life look like? Yeah, there's all those other things, the sin issues. What should my sex life look like? What should I be doing with this question? Yes, that's all true. You know, I, but today we're talking about the Great Commission. Yes, of course, I want you to get your life correct in terms of sin. Stop doing that. It's not good for us. I got to stop. You got to stop. We got to move forward. But I'm talking about the priorities of the Great Commission. If you look at your bank statement and there's not a dollar that's gone towards the gospel... I'm sorry, but you don't understand your first priority in life. If you look at your last week and there's not a minute spent in prayer, spent reading the scriptures, spent encouraging your brothers and sisters in the church, spent at a life group, spent at church, spent wherever, if you don't have that going on, you don't get your priorities and your calling. And you're not experiencing the joy of it. That's the thing that's, honestly, that's the worst for me. The worst for me isn't that you, that you don't do this or that or you don't give money to the church or you don't pray. enough. That's, that's not my thing. It's what you're missing out on when you're not doing the one thing you were designed to do as a Christ follower. Make disciples. Make disciples. We might be valuing the wrong things, guys. We might be aiming at the goals of the culture rather than following the command that Christ gave us in the Great Commission. All of you who are doing so much, and you are, you're praying, you're giving, you're volunteering, you're down, people down in Axe Kids that will have to watch this later, they have to miss out on, on this being together with us to go take care of your little brats. No, you're, I mean, I, I, you're wonderful, kind, thoughtful little children. No. I was a brat. I know that. You know, my parents didn't know. They thought I was perfect. <clears throat> I'm kidding. They're not little brats. They're awesome. I love your kids. They're great. But they're down there giving that time up. There's people in the back doing media. There's people up here doing worship. There's people out there greeting, making coffee, working with youth, leading a life group, hosting a life group, bringing food to people who are sick, doing all. Thank you. God bless you for doing that. And of course, there are rewards in the kingdom for all of that. You're giving, you're serving, you're praying. That's awesome. I'm glad. Let's do more of it. Let's do more because all of those things lead into the gospel being proclaimed. Every one of you who gives and prays and invites your friends and families and neighbors and coworkers and acquaintances to hear the word of God, God is going to bless that. And I'm not saying he's going to give you a bunch of money. I'm saying he's going to bless it. The only kind of blessing that matters, spiritual blessings from the heavenly places. The kind of thing that makes you not have to fear and worry and be like the world. Because we can go, oh, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm the son or the daughter with his ring and his robe walking around representing Jesus Christ and his love and serving as he served, being willing to die for people as he did. And in all that, that's where we find joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I need you to encourage each other and build each other up. You are the body of Christ, the church. You have so much glorious work to do through the power of the Holy Spirit.
So on this day of Pentecost, we remember the beginning of the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in power in the church to witness to the world. Let's gird up our loins, as they used to say. Some of you were like, loins? What's he talking about, loins? They used to have like these skirt things that they wore, and they'd have to kind of pick them up and tie them so they could go fight or do whatever they had to do the work. So it's kind of outdated. But gird your loins up, okay? Gird your loins up. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you're just in here, you're just visiting, welcome. We love you. I want you to know that you are so loved by us. If you have never experienced the power of his resurrection, the forgiveness of your sins, if you've never called him Lord, this is the day for you. We're going to sing. We're going to take communion. But while we're doing that, after I pray, if you want to get up, just walk straight through those doors, straight past the restrooms. There's a prayer room. And there are going to be people back there. And all you need to do is go back there and say, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? And they will lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you will be his church and you will have a commission that's set aside for you. If you don't have knowledge of what you're supposed to be doing, I can tell you right now, there's a reason you're here this morning or listening online. Come to know Jesus Christ. Today could be your new birth. And what a blessing and a joy it would be to us because there is nothing as beautiful as new birth in Christ. Fulfill and follow the great commission. Don't go after the things that when you get them, you go, what do I really have here? Go after the thing that you go, I know exactly what I have. The love and power of God in my life. Let's be that church. Serve the Lord with gladness. And if you do, we will see the power of Jesus Christ's church and the power of his gospel right here in our midst.